Welcome back to Talking Health, a podcast where we explore some of the big health issues facing our communities. On this podcast, you'll hear from some of the world's leading researchers, community organisations and people with lived experiences about the advancements we're making in health to transform the well-being of our communities at every stage of life. I'm Professor Deborah Anderson, the Dean of Health at the University of Technology, Sydney, and the founder and director of the Women's Wellness Research Collaborative. I've spent my career dedicated to supporting people, and particularly women, to implement sustainable lifestyle changes to get the most out of life. Today on the podcast, I'm thrilled to welcome our Associate Dean of Teaching and Learning at the Faculty of Health at UTS, Associate Professor Lynn Sinclair. Lynn brings more than 30 years experience in varying healthcare environments to her leadership roles at UTS. With a background in intensive care, mental health, midwifery and neonatal nursing, a key motivation for Lynn's work has been improving outcomes for neonates and their families at greater risk of adverse outcomes and poorer long-term health. She has extensive collaborative networks and partners with consumers and health professionals across all the disciplines in research and its translation and the provision of education and training. Welcome, Lynn. It's so good to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Debbie, and it's great to chat with you today as always. Lynn, you joined UTS in 2017 after an extensive career as a healthcare clinician, both in the UK and here in Australia. Can you tell us a little bit more about your career journey today and some of the key highlights? Yes, of course. Nursing has provided me the most amazing career opportunities, and that has included everything from direct patient care in a range of nursing specialties to responsibility for departmental restructures, quality improvement initiatives, knowledge generation and its translation, change management, coordination and delivery of statewide services, and policy development. So my journey is something like this. I undertook a hospital-based program in Scotland, and nursing programs were not taught through universities at that time. And as you said, Debbie, I trained as a registered general nurse, then as a mental health nurse, later as a midwife, and then finally as a neonatal intensive care nurse. So lots of education and training in there. I was working as a neonatal specialist practitioner when I left Scotland in 2003 and came to Sydney some 20 years ago now. In Sydney, I worked first as a nurse educator and then as a clinical nurse consultant in a neonatal intensive care unit with cross health district responsibilities. The CNC role is a leadership one that encompasses education, research, service provision, and and clinical practice or discipline specific activities. As a CNC, my work in research focused on improving the care of sick and preterm infants and their families, especially those at highest risk of poorer long-term health. This included leading strategy, education programs, collaborating on research projects, translating best evidence into clinical practice and restructure, as I mentioned. All were conducted in partnership with consumers or consumer groups. In 2009, I left the neonatal intensive care unit and I joined the New South Wales Newborn and Paediatric Emergency Transport Service, known as NETS. 
and in 2012 um, moved into the New South Wales Pregnancy and Newborn Services Network. So during this time, in these organisations really led maternal and newborn health across New South Wales in ACT. So I led education and quality improvement initiatives. And this could be anything from teaching resuscitation skills to multidisciplinary teams in rural Australia to education sessions for parents or more formal teaching in a classroom. I collaborated with the Clinical Excellence Commission on the Between the Flags Quality and Safety Initiative, um, which is a sort of deteriorating patient safety net system. And with the New South Wales Health Education and Training Institute to develop online programmes for nurses and midwives. In 2016-17, just prior to coming to UTS, um, I was on a secondment to the Ministry of Health. And there I contributed to um, policy development related to maternal and newborn care and service capabilities. I've also led and contributed to various strategic and professional boards, working parties and advisory groups, um, state, national and international level that aim to improve the quality of neonatal care. For my career highlights, Debbie, that you've asked for, you know, there have been many, but I'd like to share three of them. And my first is that learning from patients and their families has been the greatest gift and has helped shape my thinking, my practice and my career trajectory. For example, it was a discussion with a patient with depression who sadly took his own life soon after that made me realize that if I wanted to be the best nurse that I could be, I needed to learn about mental health and mental illness, hence mental health training. It was providing care for a woman with psychosis, which you may know, Debbie, is the abrupt onset of psychosis following childbirth that actually prompted me to learn more about the beginning of life and, and childbirth, hence the midwifery training. And then it was walking into a neonatal intensive care unit for the very first time and meeting the parents at the bedside of an extremely preterm infant that I knew instantly that providing care for babies and their families just like this was where I was meant to be, hence my work as a neonatal nurse. My second highlight is my move to Australia, which has been fabulous. I was welcomed by the perinatal community and wonderful colleagues and friends who have inspired me and provided me with leadership and job opportunities, including supporting me to undertake a PhD, which was completed here at UTS. And my third and final highlight, of course, without doubt, was my move into academia. It's been an enormous privilege and a great joy to, to work at UTS. Oh, Lynn, that's a, a fabulous journey and um, just an amazing career. And thank you so much for sharing those highlights. So you've said you just moved into UTS as a senior lecturer in the Faculty of Health in 2017. So what sparked this transition? So I guess for me, teachers have been the greatest influence and motivators in my life since childhood. They instilled in me the importance of education and the concept of lifelong learning. 
as someone who was late to higher education through circumstance and a first in family to do so, my goal every day since has been to pay it forward because my life was forever changed for the better. My goal has always been to inspire and enable others to access higher education, most especially for underrepresented equity groups. I enacted this vision and positively impacted the lives of others in my role as a nurse consultant, helping to create the next generation of, of leaders. But if you think about how I described the role of the clinical nurse consultant, education, research, service, discipline-specific activities, this aligns really well with the academic profile. And so I guess for me, academia felt like the logical next step. And at that time, I was really ready for a new challenge. But I was also acutely aware that quality of teaching matters. Your teacher matters. Your learning experience matters. And, and we have the potential to positively influence the future of others. And how humbling and wonderful is that? So that's why I'm here. That is fabulous. And we are so fortunate at UTS and in the Faculty of Health to have you here with us. And you're, you've been leading teaching and learning courses across the faculty since 2018, across our four schools, multiple courses. What are some of the insights and learnings from your time as a clinician that you've brought to your role at UTS? And how have these shaped some of the initiatives you've been able to implement? I guess when I arrived, I had left my extensive network behind. So I worked really hard to develop collaborative relationships, gain a deep understanding of the faculty, what that was, um, the wider university, the relationship between the two. So it was a steep learning curve indeed. In my teaching, when I started, I introduced virtual classes for students using Zoom before it was a platform used for teaching at UTS. I had used it previously to communicate with clinicians across the state in clinical practice. And the emergency transport service used a virtual network of dedicated Vision for Life cameras that enabled experienced clinicians in metropolitan city hospitals to view and direct the care of a sick child in rural centres. So I was used to, I guess, that virtual um, space and introduced it into my teaching. I guess it was also, I was also the first in the faculty to use what was then a new learning management system, Canvas. And I used my previous experiences and extensive network, be it clinicians and consumers, to meet with and provide real-world scenarios to enhance the student experience. So I really brought some of I guess, the real world experiences that I had lived through into the classroom. I looked at roles that existed within the faculty to determine where I could best utilize my leadership, communication, problem solving, and organizational skills to meet strategic goals of, of the faculty and of the university. The role of Associate Dean Teaching and Learning is the one that I chose and so that's the one that I aimed for. And as you know, what I'm going to see next, Debbie, it's the best portfolio in the faculty. <laughs> Another example of my using past experiences to lead and influence change was in relation to 
the online programme management or OPM initiative that addressed the university strategy of increasing domestic postgraduate enrolments. I was closely involved in the procurement, selection and first critical steps in the OPM process and worked with a team to reimagine and deliver the first two online accelerated mode degrees with an external partner, which is KeyPath. This was to UTS, a new area of teaching and learning. We successfully reversed the decline of these two degrees. We transformed the students' learning experiences and satisfaction. We enabled health professionals to combine work with study to enhance their careers and substantially increase student enrolments, attracting students from across Australia rather than the, the Sydney Basin. The Health OPM portfolio has grown significantly, as you know, since that time and with an ongoing pipeline of, of new courses planned. And I guess a final example of my past informing present is in relation to my roles within the Perinatal Society of Australia and New Zealand. I am the immediate past president of the society and about to end a 10-year term as a director of the board. And roles have included secretary, chair of the policy committee, consumer advisory panel, annual congress, convener. There's actually a huge long list. So for those who don't know, Pizans is a multidisciplinary society dedicated to improving the health and long-term outcomes for mothers and babies. Members include discovery scientists, obstetricians, midwives, neonatologists, neonatal nurses, allied health, epidemiologists, clinical trialists, paediatricians, GPs, pathologists, consumers, and many more. There's actually no other like it across the world in the perinatal space. I've used lessons learned and experiences gained in many aspects of my work subsequently, including strategy development, chairing of committees and working groups, decision-making, enabling students and staff to present papers at the Congress. And um, I, I've been a member of that society since 2004, now an honorary member. And this network has been invaluable to me and is very dear to my heart. Wow, it's fantastic to hear how the past can influence the present. And in this, in your present role as Associate Dean Teaching and Learning, it's it's really inspiring, Lynn, to hear how you've been able to, to bring all of those experiences together. And I can only imagine that these technologies, when you're looking at um, OPM and particularly the online course offerings, would have been graciously received, of course, during the COVID pandemic. But what was the feedback when you initially introduced the idea? Was there pushback? So... You mentioned the pandemic. Sometimes there's just a bit of luck involved. When the OPM work commenced in 2018, our first enrolments commenced in March 2020. You know, that was the first month of the pandemic in Australia. We exceeded enrolment targets in every subject across two master's courses for more than two years. So I guess we're a captive audience 
who were at home and who found time to study. But while OPM is now considered a success story, the proposal to provide online education was initially not a popular one. The focus of UTS at that time was for on-campus courses. So you're right, concerns included the belief that online courses could not align with the UTS model of learning and the learning future strategy, and that active and collaborative learning wasn't possible in a fully online course. There was also additional concern about partnering with an external education provider because we'd no experience in doing so. So our team within the faculty chose to challenge all the assumptions, to navigate uncertainties, address everybody's concerns, and deliver online offerings that didn't compromise on quality. We were acutely aware that to proceed would require significant change, a shift in mindsets, and an element of risk-taking as we faced a number of logistical, conceptual, and pedagogical challenges, as well as a change in the traditional role of teacher to one of facilitator. So this was a risk we considered worth taking, but I have to say for the first six months, our fingers were crossed. I can imagine, um, and what a success it has been, and congratulations to you in being able to be courageous enough as a leader to enact all of that. And like many other universities and businesses, our ability to connect physically with global partners and students was greatly affected during the pandemic. What impact did this have on the Faculty of Health, do you think? And what does that picture look like now that restrictions have eased? As with all faculties across all universities, the pandemic had significant impact on, on international student recruitment and, and student mobility. International student recruitment did increase slightly in 2023, but, but numbers remain low. So to address this over the past 12 months, within the faculty, we've been developing a marketing and communications plan that aims to scale up student recruitment expand, enrich, and promote international opportunities for existing students, and, and really to deepen global connections and improve that student experience. While strengthening existing partnerships, we're developing new ones. We're diversifying into new markets in line with UTS targets. We're offering new products, for example, the Bachelor of Psychology, the Bachelor of Public Health but also new modes of delivery. So the OPM courses we were talking about, we're currently amending and preparing those for international markets. I think relationship building will be key to success moving forward, and it's going to require investment in time and resources, the repurposing of capabilities and, and collaboration with stakeholders. I think it will take us some time to recover so in the interim, we've been developing new marketing videos. We've captured alumni and current student stories and are currently developing course profile videos where course coordinators describe the courses, the student experience, the knowledge and skills that will be developed and the potential career opportunities of successful graduates. The good news is that current students are on the move again. We have nursing and public health students in Indonesia right now. 
with plans for midwifery students to go to Thailand later in the year. In 2024, we've got planned experiences in Fiji and Chiang Mai, and we're exploring some other opportunities. So I think there is much to do, but I'm really hopeful early interest in UTS courses and especially courses within the Faculty of Health have definitely seen an upturn in the interest. And so hopefully 2024 will um, will look good. And, you know, technology and practices are constantly evolving and have been instrumental in ensuring we as a faculty have stayed on top of and ahead of new trends and changes. So what are you most excited about the future of teaching and learning at UTS? Everything about teaching and learning, of course. So this this is and has been an exciting time to work within a teaching and learning portfolio. There has never been such a rate of change. And I think what within the faculty and obviously across the university, but I, I think we have proven that we can be agile, that actually rapid change is possible. And that the key to success as a faculty will be in our ability to keep this momentum going. We have a unique opportunity now to make significant and sustainable change. So we will be rethinking what, how, and where we teach, as well as implementing new platforms, systems, and processes that will support us and make operations more responsive. To enable this, we will need to leverage strengths and enhance the capabilities of our people to en enact these goals. We need to be looking at enhancing digital literacy, cultural capabilities, and really thinking about and developing a teaching workforce for the future. That will be important for our success. Implementing the new UTS student experience framework, working in partnership with students and using real-time data to inform decision-making will enable an enhanced and more personalized learning experience for many reasons, including increasing competitiveness in student recruitment and the rapidly evolving capabilities of generative AI, assuring the quality of our courses is becoming more and more important. We have just developed an exciting program of work in partnership with our colleagues in the Institute of Interactive Media. This will enable us to develop new and integrated curriculum that includes embedding the Indigenous graduate attribute. We will also develop new review and monitoring processes, introducing annual reviews. We will need, of course, to carefully balance the need to generate high quality courses and income with our commitment to delivering local and global positive social and environmental impact. We will continue to grow the health portfolio of courses and identify new student cohorts locally and globally in areas of emerging need, particularly in the postgraduate and enterprise learning spaces as health professionals embark on a lifetime of learning. As well as exploring new possibilities, we have an opportunity to exploit our existing products. Let's make use of them, repurpose them for different markets, for example, micro-credentials, 
So I, I think our job is twofold right now, focusing on the short term because we have we have lots to do, but actually preparing for the future and thinking about how we might take teaching and learning within the faculty forward. Have I told you already that the TNL portfolio is the most exciting one? <laughs> um, there is lots to do. We have wonderful teams and I think our future is bright. Thank you for being my guest today on Talking Health and for giving us an insight into your world of teaching and learning and the role this plays in guiding our future healthcare workforce. It's been such a pleasure and it's such a privilege to have you as our Associate Dean Teaching and Learning in the Faculty of Health. We are so blessed. Today, I've been speaking with Associate Professor Lynn Sinclair, the Associate Dean of Teaching and Learning at the Faculty of Health at UTS. And you've been listening to Talking Health by the University of Technology, Sydney. And you can find us at uts.edu.au.